It's always a little bit difficult for a minister to prepare um, a service of this nature towards moms or dads or special occasions like that. Um, maybe that's why pastor decided to go home and visit family. I don't know. I'm just, just kidding. It, uh, I've struggled with this message a little bit this week because, first of all, you'll probably see me read a lot more than I normally do, but it's because I put some very precise things on here that I want said a certain way, and I know if I don't read it, I'll mess it up. And you don't want to mess something up on Mother's Day. You know what I'm saying? Dads are a little more forgiving in that sense. You mess up on Father's Day, they don't really care. Moms, you don't mess up Mother's Day. You get one day a year, you know? Dads, they mess it up the three other 364 days. You get one day a year where the dads are supposed to know this is Mother's Day and we got to do something. And man, I hope you did. I really do hope you did because if not, there might be conversations later. I don't know. Or no conversation. I don't know. <laughs> The reason I've struggled with it a little bit is because I'm not a mother, I am a father, I am a man, I am not a woman, as many of you know. Um, and there's just certain insights that, about ladies that we don't know or understand. Guys, and ladies, I don't mean to offend you, but sometimes we just don't know what you're doing. We just don't understand it all. So if there's any mess-ups up here this morning, please attribute it to my head and not my heart. Uh, but today I simply want to look at the Word of God Probably, I'm not going to, there's not going to, it's not full of scripture, but there's several different scriptures I'm going to look at. And the reason being is because we just simply want to honor you today. It's also a difficult day because there's, for everybody, every individual, there's a different relationship with your mother. Um, some situations are good and some aren't. And I would be naive to think that all of them are perfect, but they're just not, unfortunately. And there's different situations with a mother to a child. Those that uh, have just different situations in your family that you're dealing with. Today, I just want to honor you moms. And if you turn with me to Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, I think I found a very appropriate scripture to start out with in light of all these things. I did Father's Day this last year, and I talked about the qualities of Father God as seen through our earthly fathers. And I want to take that again this morning and look at the qualities of, of our Heavenly Father through the lives of our mothers. Because as we're about ready to see here, in Genesis 2.18, Scripture says, The Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. I don't know what Adam did, but God said, It is not good for that man to be alone. <laughs> Some of you ladies right now are giggling because you're picturing your husband. What, what would happen to him if I just went away for two months? The house wouldn't get clean. The dishes would pile up. He'd just eat off of paper plates and paper cups. and The house would be nasty. The animals would be in the house. The yard would be mowed and be taken care of, but there'd be no flowers planted in it. All that kind of stuff. Right now you're in your mind thinking, what in the world would happen? Well, I don't know what Adam did, but God said it is not good for man to be alone. Some men might argue that point, but God is right. And the reason God is right is because he developed a man to carry certain masculine qualities of Father God. You know, He created us, man and woman, in His own image. Amen? He created us to be like Him. And within the man, He put certain qualities, special qualities, that I, st I spoke about last Father's Day. And today I want to talk to you about the feminine qualities of God that He's placed in you ladies to accent what He's placed in us or the lack of what He didn't place in us. Now there's a long list. Some of you are probably already making lists. 
of these things, but there's a long list of things that I'm not going to go into all of them. I just want to focus on four this morning. But first of all, I do want to say this to you, that God did not create you, ladies, as a second thought creation. You are not a second thought creation. And the reason I say this and the reason I think this is so important and so vital for you to understand this morning is because I think that cultures and societies and and religion has placed you here and the man here. That is not at all what the Word of God has done. Yes, there's, there's submission to the authority which God, there, everything works in unity and with authority. God established unity and authority with submission. That's just the way it is. And He established the man as the head of the home, yes. But you, as it's a submissive role to Him, not a lesser role. Does that make sense? The Father God is, is the authority, and then there's Christ, and then there's the Holy Spirit. They all work in perfect unity, while two submit to the Godhead in authority. And it's submission. It doesn't mean one's greater than the other or one's lesser than the other. It's just there's got to be submission for unity to take place. Does that make any sense? God created you, ladies. He created Eve from the side of Adam. He took a rib out of his side and he formed you. He molded you and he shaped you in his image, in God's image, with certain specific qualities that that man Adam didn't have for you to accent his life because it's not good for him to be alone. And taking the rib out of his side, he didn't take you from his foot. He didn't take you from his backside. He took you from his side. Thank you, Larry. You read my mind. Yeah, we are able to have it. Yeah, you're a, you're a good man, Larry. I don't, I don't care what Steve-O says about you. You're a good man. Just, what was I talking about? Oh, yeah. It's talking about women, which normally isn't a good thing, but today it's a very important thing. He took you from his side to be beside. Now, some man come up with some philosophy that I'm better than the woman, okay? That wasn't God's idea. Some man come up with some idea that the women, women are expendable, okay? That wasn't God's idea. In our culture today, ladies seem like you feel like you have to do everything. You've got to work, you've got to raise your kids, you've got to cook, you've got to clean, you've got to do all of it. And us men, most of the time, unfortunately, 364 days out of the year take you for granted. And for that today, gentlemen, I'm just going to speak for all of us. I'm sorry. It's just not in our nature to constantly be thinking about everything at once. You know how that is. Ladies do that. You've got the spaghetti thoughts. They're all entangled and twined. Guys are like waffles and you can choose little compartments. It's okay, this compartment, focus on this, focus on this, and that's all we can focus on. And if that's all we did, we would only get one thing done our whole life. Therefore, God said it is not good for man to be alone, so he gave us you ladies. I'll give you an example, a biblical example of how God had intended all the time to create Eve. He created the animals, correct? Male and female, right? All of them, all kinds of animals, male and female, and told them to fill the earth. That was God's desire and heart for man as well. But for some reason, He created Adam first, which tells me maybe Adam, He wanted Adam to be in contact with Him, to be in right relationship with God, to know Him before He gave Him the responsibility of having this precious creation Eve with Him. Very possible. But it wasn't a second thought creation. God had intended all along. For example, another example is, is people would often say that God didn't, wasn't interested in reaching the Gentiles until the Jews rejected Christ. That's completely false. In Genesis 18, 18, it says, Abraham shall surely become a great mighty nation and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. Before Christ was ever even born, Abraham's promise with God and the covenant he had with him, God said, I'm going to bless all nations through your seed. 
It just hadn't taken place yet. There was a process. Much like you, it's not that the Gentiles are less than the Jews. It's just simply the process that God had established to go through. Friends, ladies, you are not a second-class creation. Okay? God has designed you as precious to Him. He has made you and designed you with intricate things within your life and in your heart, things that not only accent the man, but also serve a purpose for His creation. It was in you that He placed the opportunity to reproduce, to carry life, to to expand the earth. Yes, the two together, obviously, but that's something that man can't do. If it was put up to man, we wouldn't do it because it hurts. You know, we stub our toe or hit our finger with a hammer and you can forget it. I'm not doing that. Babies? What? Number one. Four things I want to talk to you that reveal, that God reveals to us of himself through you ladies. Number one. Thank you, moms. Thank you for being an example of unconditional love. I know this is simple. I know unconditional love. All of us say, well, gee, that's okay. But see, my problem is, is growing up as a kid, I always thought God's love was conditional for me. I always thought God's love was was something to where if I'm good today, then He loves me. And and if I'm bad today or I mess up today, then He's going to send me to hell. And He doesn't like me anymore. And you know what? I want to destroy that thought today. If God can create an imperfect human being, not that I wanted to accentuate that you're imperfect, ladies, but if He's created you as imperfect, you are not God, obviously, But yet you can love your creation, that which has come from your womb, unconditionally. Don't you think that's how Father God is with us? Don't you think that God looks at us and loves us even in spite of our sin? Yes, He wants to love us. At the same time, there's sin in our lives and He gave us His Son, Jesus Christ, to die so that we might have life eternal. He loves us. Mothers, you guys love your children. in In spite of what they look like, smell like, act like, how they act in Walmart, how they harass the neighbors, whatever it is, you love them no matter what. And that, for, for dads, for men, that kind of blows our mind a little bit because sometimes, well, I just won't go there. I remember April and I, April and I were pregnant. Actually, April was pregnant with Alyssa and uh, I just looked like I was pregnant. I put on about 20, 30 pounds in the process. April's pregnant with Alyssa, and, um, you know, the doctor basically, most of you know that story, told us, said, you know, grim outlook, said, baby's going to die, baby's not going to have much of a life, going to be a vegetable, she said, the rest of its life, if it lives, and and, um, she said, you have options, and actually encouraged us to abort my daughter. And I remember the determination in April's voice of, if God takes our baby, he takes our baby, but I'm not going to kill it. And she said, if it's born with a birth defect or disabled, she said, I'm going to love it. That's the mindset of a mom. I don't care what my child looks like, smells like, acts like, whatever. I'm going to love my child. You want to make a mom mad? I've learned this as a youth minister. Say something about their kid. I'm going to tell you what. You want a mama mad at you? They become mama bear all of a sudden. You start messing with the little cubs. You don't mess with the mom's kid. Now, see, dads, we're a little different. We look at the little kid, and it it comes, you know, the baby's out, and you're looking at it, and it's all kind of wrinkly and and nasty, except for Riley. She was adorable. How did that happen? I go to the hospital. Riley's only a few hours old, and she's like, perfect. Hello. 
But more, a, lot of, a lot of times dads look at newborn babies and everybody's going, oh, it's so cute, it's so cute. And the dad's going, good Lord, bring it back in a couple years. You know? When I can play with it and, and we'll roll it around a little bit and it's too fragile. You're like, oh my goodness. But moms see their baby and they're beautiful regardless. You know, we, we make jokes again about Alyssa, not to keep picking on her, but, you know, we make jokes saying she got all of our bad traits. You know, my personality so on and so forth. But we love her regardless. And again, how long, how many times have you seen mothers go to great lengths to reach their rebellious child rather than giving up on them? How many times have you seen mothers go to jails and prisons and visit with their son or their daughter that's in jail from horrible things that they've done and love them unconditionally? It's the heart of a mom. Mother's love is always going to hope and for a child despite, despite what it is in them, their nature that other people don't seem to like, moms will love them, are aware of their issues, but still love them. And I think it's because moms fall in love instantly with their baby. You know, dads, we've got to kind of see it and we've got to be able to hold a ball and throw it and run. And you look into their eyes the first time, dads, that's when we're, we're melted, we're done. You just forget it, everything from there on. But for a mom, as soon as they find out they're pregnant, they're in absolute love. And a person can say, yeah, well, whatever, Pastor Bob. Well, I, we have lost, we've lost a couple miscarriages. Uh, Erica, my niece, just lost a beautiful baby girl this last fall. Still brokenhearted. Why? Because she fell in love with that child instantly. The moment she conceived, the moment that she realized she was pregnant, she had hopes and dreams and plans for that child. And Psalm, isn't that the, the unconditional love of God? That even before we were created, He knew who He were. He had plans for us. He knew how He was going to create us. He knew what He put in us. Psalm 139 says this about that. Thir- verse 13, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Like God, you, you mothers, you moms, you have plans and aspirations and dreams for your child before it's even birthed into this world. What will he or she look like? Will she have her daddy's eyes? Will she have my nose, my ears, her daddy's bald spot? What is it? You know, what, what's she going to look like? Is she going to have blonde hair, curly hair, no hair? She's going to be tall, thin, pretty. It's going to be talented. What is it? All these dreams and aspirations and things we begin to build. And as that little baby comes, you look at him and you begin to build more and say, well, they got those long alien-like fingers. Maybe they'll play the piano. I don't know. They got those giant feet. Maybe they'll swim. I don't know. God looks at us, church, with that same unconditional love. He looks at us and He has plans and a future for us. He looks at us, ladies, in, in, in this example that you've set for us today, in spite of our disabilities, in spite of our weaknesses, in spite of our failures, in spite of how we look, smell, or act, we can be 100% confident that God created into you 
the same unconditional love that He has for us. And I thank you for revealing that to us today. Thank you, moms, for being an example of the sacrificial love of God. Not only the unconditional love, but the sacrificial love. Again, dads, not to pick on us, but I am one, so I can. We have a little more of a tendency to get wrapped up in work, hobbies, to get distracted, you know. Got to provide, got work to do, got a garden to plant, got a car to fix, got a lawn to mow, got whatever. Got to go hunting, got to go fishing, got to go play tennis, got to go play basketball. We have all these things in our head. And our lives can very easily be self-consuming. It really can. But it's been my experience that moms aren't like that. I realize not all moms are perfect. But moms are the ones that sacrifice. They're willing to give. It was my mom that hauled me back and forth to baseball practice in the summer and picking me up and bringing me to town for practice and picking me up late for football practice and driving me in here for wrestling practice at like 5.30, 6 o'clock in the morning. You remember that? You didn't have to go to work that early, surely. And I was always doing ornery stuff in the car, so. I'm sorry for that, by the way. (laughs) It was the mom's, the mom that always makes sure we are at the appropriate parent-teacher conference. In my world, even with my own wife, my own kids, I, I have no idea when ter- parent-teacher conferences are. I don't know when stuff's going on. And April goes, oh, yeah, we got parent-teacher conferences tonight. Well, we do. And then I have to remember, oh, it's not for me. Okay, it's for the kids. <laughs> it was mom that put back the money for Christmas and preparation and for vacations and uh, things of that nature and planning. You may say, what's the big deal, Pastor Bob? Why are you saying that's sacrificial love? Well, it's not easy to raise four girls. And one son, I guess. There were five of us. There were five of us. And you know that you take, you, now you take parent-teacher conferences and you multiply it times five. And you add in proms and you add in baseball and you add in softball and, and all these other events and graduations and stuff on top of it. It's a huge sacrifice. You haven't learned busyness for those of us that only have one or two kids and you have them involved in one sport Boy, that's awful. Boy, we've been at the park all night, all week long, three nights a week. Try five. Wow. I don't know how they did it. Well, it explains a lot in my life. I mean, I know that I was unsupervised a lot, but that's (laughs) because mom was going everywhere. Dad was working, mom was going. It doesn't get any easier when the kids get old and then they start having kids and you take those five kids and you multiply it times about four and then all of a sudden you got 20, 20 grandkids you've got to chase after. And you're going all over the state, going to kids, going across the state to Cincinnati to a ball game and then back over to hit something the next day. And I sit here and going, we have one kid doing a sport right now and I'm a mess. You know, moms, it's the sacrifice. It's the putting away of selfish things. It's the desire to do and to make sure that the needs are met in the kids. And here's the thing. I, we didn't always have a lot of money. You know, for a long time, it was only dad working and there was five of us kids at home with mom. And, and it was mom that sacrificed. 
That's a sacrifice. You stay home with five kids. And me as the youngest, that's a sacrifice. Not to mention the neighbors and the friends and everybody else that would come over. And then when they hit teenagers and all the guys start showing up. Dad always said that's one sure way to have a house full of boys is to have four girls. <laughs> Sacrifice. Making clothes when we couldn't afford them. You know? Giving of herself to, to make what we couldn't have. I didn't have, as many clothes, I didn't have as many clothes made for me as the girls had, thank God. But she did do it. <laughs> For them, she made clothes and what she didn't, what we had to afford and what she would buy, she would buy it for the kids. We always had the best that money could buy, whatever our money was at that point that we could have. It wasn't the best clothes in the world, it was the best we could afford. And then mom wore the same blue dress every year to church for different things. She didn't have that other stuff. She didn't need it. She didn't want it. She wanted to pour it out on the kids. For years she served our family sacrificially. And I don't just say this about my mom. This is my experience. And I realize that there are so many others of you out there that do the exact same thing. This is to everybody. But this is my experience as well. Is that mom worked a full-time job. And then she would come home and she would cook. She would clean. She would do, she would do the dishes. You know, she would decorate for Christmas. She would plant the garden. She would do, and then haul kids everywhere to go do all the different things. And then find time to... Be the counselor for teen relationships. A tutor for those of us who didn't like to do homework. (laughs) An ear to listen and always willing to give wisdom when needed, even sometimes when it wasn't asked for. She was a live-in nurse 24-7, 365 days a year. She was a taxi driver, a travel planner, a co-pilot on vacation, which some great stories on that. (laughs) For the sake of time, I'm not going to go into those. All I'm going to say is that we went through Wisconsin and every cheese sign, we had to have cheese. But She was a banker, an investor, a veterinarian, a coach, a minister, you name it. Moms carry and cover all these things sacrificially, not thinking of themselves, but thinking of their kids. And I thank you for showing us the heart of God, for His provision, for His sacrificial provision. Moms, nobody but you, nobody but you knows the feeling of sustaining life. Nobody but you know or understands the feeling of, of, of having a child inside of you and understand what it means that you have to watch what you do and do what you do every day in light of what the life that's inside of you. You understand what it means to wake up in the morning with feeling that, that nudge, that kick inside of your womb that, that your husband's laying there sawing logs, snoring. And you have an intimate moment with that baby moving and rolling inside of you. You understand what it means to bring life. You understand what it means to bear life. You not only understand our dependency, you also understand how it blesses God when we are dependent on Him. Only you can understand the quiet peace of staring into your baby's eyes at 10, 2, and 4 a.m. as you feed that little life as it looks into your eyes and smiles at you. Only you understand that. And only you understand how precious those moments are and understand that life dependent upon you, that feeling, that dependency, the reality of the need and knowing, say, wow, this, this baby has to have me here to live. Only you understand that. Dads, we just put them in a playpen and throw food at them occasionally. You know, we look at them, we're scared to death to touch them. You know, we can change the carburetor, but we can't hold a baby and, oh my gosh, oh, what am I going to do? Okay, dads, I know some of us are better than that. I'm just teasing. 
Only you know the joy of seeing that child that you labored for grow up and overcome the odds and become victorious in many different aspects of their life. You love that kid. Even when they strike out on the baseball diamond, you love them. The dad's mad because he worked on the form and showed him how to step the right way instead of, stop stepping out of the box. And moms are sitting there going, doesn't he look cute in his uniform? The little helmet, it's falling over his face. Oh, he's pulling it up. And dad's going, get the helmet out of your eyes. Watch the ball. Come on now. Moms don't care. They just love their baby. They just love their kid. Now when they fall down and they scrape their knee and they're crying on second base, the dad's going, come on, get up, you're fine. And the mom's running down to the field. Is he okay? Is he okay? That's embarrassing. That's a sacrifice. I don't know why moms are so willing to sacrifice everything for their babies. Maybe it was the burden of carrying the child for nine exhausting months. Maybe it was the hours of labor. Whatever it is, we can see the love of God. And John 10, verse 17 and 18 says, The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to, take it, to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. Moms, thank you. Thank you for laying your lives down. Thank you for setting aside your wants, your desires, your agendas. You didn't have to. You don't always have to, but you do it because you love. Just like our Father loves us in heaven. He sent Jesus to spread His arms out and gave sacrificially without words of anger or bitterness. Love flowed from His lips toward a rebellious generation that says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Isn't that the prayer that a mom prays for a rebellious child that's headed down the wrong path? God, please forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Greater love has no one than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. And moms, thank you. Thank you for being sacrificial. Thank you for laying your lives down for us. Us imperfect, somewhat messed up at times, kids of yours, thank you for loving us unconditional. Thirdly, thank you moms for being an avenue to encourage relationship in our families. This is not a quality God has given us men. And we know this by this statement right here that I'm sure most of us or a lot of us have had this conversation. If you're married, this has probably come out of your wife's mouth a time or two in your life. You never listen to me. Don't look at your husband, ladies. I see heads turning. You never talk to me. I feel totally disconnected from you. Ladies, it's okay. It's in your nature. God created you that way. He created you relational. I don't know what Adam was doing. If he's talking to the animals or not talking. Maybe he hadn't learned to speak yet. I don't know. And God said, I'm going to fix that. So he gave him Eve. And, and Adam's first response was, wow. Flesh of my flesh, bone of my bone. I will call her woman. And then she said, that's right. You better call me woman. I'm going to tell you something else. You need to clean up around here. What's with all these animals everywhere? There's hair all over everything. Clean that up. Oh my goodness, you didn't clean that spot off the floor. Sorry, that's not even in my notes. I'm just being facetious. In my home growing up, it was always mom that was relational. Again, not to offend dad. Dad had his day last year. Mom was a relational one. Mom was the one that got in your business. You know what I mean? 
That's why we always ask dad, hey dad, you care if I go out? I'm going to go spend the night with so-and-so. We're going to, yeah, I don't care. So we go. And then on the way out the door, mom goes, hey, 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 where are you going? I'm going to go out to, but where are you going? Going to go to their house and do what? Um, hang out, watch some movies and, uh-huh. What movies are you watching? Well, it, then that, is that R-rated? No, it's, it's, I think it's PG. I think. I don't know. If it's R-rated, you, you know. And so you just start this whole process of 10,000 questions. Well, what time are you going to be home? You coming home tomorrow or tonight? Well, I plan on coming home tomorrow. What time tomorrow? We got stuff going on tomorrow. What, what time are you going to get? Gee, Mom, I don't know. I didn't plan it all out. I'm just going. Can I go now? I mean, it's over now. The time's gone. It's been 24 hours. It was mom that, that got involved in the... <laughs> she got involved in finding out what I was doing on a daily basis. And uh, finding out who my friends were. Finding out who that girlfriend was that I started dating. Bring her over. I want to meet her. Finding out where I was going, what I was doing. But she also wanted to find out what music I listened to. You know, what, what, have you been listening? what is that? I heard that noise coming from your... What is that noise coming from your room? I find it to be culturally supreme. To... And I'll never forget, this was the one cool thing about my mom. Mom, just to keep the connection open, all right, she didn't like my music. She hated it. She threw some of it away multiple, multiple times. And, but she, she would say, oh, so what's that? She would hear it, and she would give it a chance first. And listen to it. And there was actually one cassette that we agreed upon that when we were in the car together, we could listen to. And I would put it in. I'd be like, you like that? And she'd be like, hmm, that's different. You know. <laughs> Instead of going, ah, I hate it. Ah, and like rip the stuff and throw it out the window and scream at me. The, relation, the relationship, the lines of communication, she was very determined to not only love me, but to know me. What makes me tick? Who am I? And that's how moms are. They want to understand their kids. They want to sit around the table and talk. They don't want to just come home and everybody sit in the television and eat their supper in front of the television then go to bed and not having talked to anybody at night. We have this issue in our family. Ministry can be busy and, and I'm a typical man and I can allow myself to be filled up with stuff in my life. And I do that for about a week and then, all hey, something's got to change here. We got to sit down and talk. I haven't seen you all week. And I, guys were all like, hey, I've been home every night, but you haven't talked to me. Isn't that the love of Christ as well? Isn't that like the Spirit of God? You know, I used to look at my mom when she was probing into my room and cleaning up my stuff and, and uh, going through my car and my life and going to the teachers' conferences and school and everything else, and I'm thinking, good grief, woman, leave me alone. <laughs> I thought that is the most overbearing, obnoxious thing in my entire life. But as I've grown up and I look back, I realize that it was just a protective thing. She was a protector. She, she was the breeze blowing gently into the sail of a ship that she once captained, but now is gently and cautiously turning over the helm to somebody that doesn't know what they're doing. And she was breathing in the right direction. The simple nudges of saying, oh, you don't want to go that way. You don't want to go that way. You don't want to go that way. The gentle nudges of a loving mother that keeps the lines of communication and relationship open. Exactly like the Holy Spirit. John 16, verse 13 says, But when He, the Spirit of truth, comes, He will guide you into all truth. The Spirit of God isn't overbearing. He isn't, he isn't mean. He's relational. 
He can be grieved when His children turn and want to go their own way. The Spirit of God and moms are relentless in restoring fellowship, whether it be in the family, the Spirit of God amongst those in the church, or moms at home. Keeping us focused, keeping us connected. And lastly, thank you moms for being a constant intercessor. Again, dads, I know we pray too. But there's a connection between a mother and a child that we don't have. Don't get me wrong, our connection is different that she doesn't have like we do. But I firmly believe that that mother bearing that child for nine months, nursing it, and just being its life-sustaining source for a year, two years' time, that every time that baby looks up in their eyes, knowing that this is my mom, and the mom looking at that baby saying, I'll never let anything happen to you, and I'll do whatever I can for you, will cause a mom to pray unlike anything you've ever seen before in your life. Young ladies, if you're not a mom yet, and you say, I have a problem with my prayer life, I have one answer for you, and that's to become a mother. Obviously get married first, but become a mother. And I guarantee you, your prayer life will change. Why? (laughs) All of a sudden, there's a lot of things to pray about. You know, there's knees to be scraped, heads to be bumped, worldly influences to avoid, hurtful words to be spoken, hearts to be broken, a God to be known, licenses to be gotten, proms, graduations, grandkids, more grandkids, and more grandkids. Sickness, life, death, you name it. Moms are concerned about all of it. Dads, we just kind of float through life. We don't worry about too much. But it's the mom that God's placed inside their being to intercede for their kids and their family because there's a situation there Just God needs to move in. I shared with um, Jason and Misty when they were pregnant with uh, Dusty and they'd had some just uncertain reports from the doctors and were praying and fasting for some divine intervention and, and uh, God intervened and moved and she's healthy and beautiful. Wonderful little girl who loves me very much, I might add. They, I told them this, they were in the office, and I said, look, I said, this is just your first episode of praying and fasting. This is going to be a lifetime event for you. And that's true, and that's how moms are. My mom drove the mail route. She was out driving all day long. I think she drove 70 miles a day, 70 plus miles a day on gravel roads to mailbox to mailbox to mailbox. And she did most of that 70 miles praying almost every day. And as a rebellious teenager, even not openly rebellious to them, quietly rebellious, behind the scenes, kind of sneaky, out doing my own thing, even the Spirit of God at those times would just torment me to death, reminded me that my mom's praying for me. Not that Dad never did. It just was very clear in my life that Mom prayed and interceded for me on a daily basis. Her prayer was fueled by love that is unconditional, prayer filled with tears and a faith that God would have His way, prayer that is filled with experience and deep understanding of the pain, fear, and temptations and snares of this life. Again, isn't this the heart of God? Romans 8.34 says that Jesus is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us daily. Hebrews 4.15 says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are yet was without sin. Christ prays for us. His prayers are full of compassion, full of love, as, he is, as He's bearing His children and caring for us and sustaining us on a daily basis. And thank you, moms, 
for being an example of the prayer life of our Savior. It is not good for man to be alone. It truly is not good for man to be alone. We thank you, God, for these ladies. You are an example to us of the qualities of God that we do not bear within ourselves, us men. And this isn't just to moms alone, but to the ladies, to each of you. Those of you that are moms, you've bore children, those of you that that haven't, those of you that will, thank you for being a light to us men of the heart of God. Because God has revealed His heart to us through your lives. Today we honor you. And we're grateful. I wouldn't be here today if it weren't for my mom. Literally. There's so many things that you do. So many things in our lives that you do that go totally unrecognized. And someday when you stand before God... He will reward you accordingly. He will reward you for every unseen thing, every selfless sacrifice that you've made. You may not get a whole lot of glory here on earth. You may not get a whole lot of accolades or rewards. Sometimes you get nothing but disrespect. Sometimes you just get heartache and pain and fear and doubt. But if you're a lady in this room and you've invested your life into either your children or the children that belong to someone else, thank you. Because it's your investment, it's your giving, it's your pouring in that God has enabled you as a vessel to bring change. I personally thank every Sunday school teacher that I've had. I personally thank every every children's church leader that I've had. Thank my wife. She's amazing. The mother of my children, my mom, my sisters, bringing so much revelation not into my life but the lives of others. So to every mom who works tirelessly raising the children God has blessed her with, we honor you today. To all of our grandmas, we honor you for spoiling our children with everything you never gave us when we were kids. (laughs) To the mom that's raised her children and is now raising her grandchildren, we honor you for your endurance and selflessness. To the mom that has had the unique experience of raising a disabled child, we honor and revere you for your faithfulness. To the single mom, We honor you for your hard work and for the many hats you wear in raising your children. To the mom who is adopted, we honor you for loving and giving unconditionally. To the mom who's not been able to bear children, we honor you because your heart is to be a mother. And it is shown as you constantly give and invest in the lives of others. To the mom who has suffered great loss, we hurt with you on this day but we also celebrate the hope we have in Christ to see the child again. 
Mother's Day is a very complicated, very complicated day. Some it's a celebration, some it's hurt. But let me tell you, my friends, it's all going to be honored someday when you stand before Christ. It's all going to be honored. Your job is not small, it's not little. And if you obey God, if you fulfill your role in this life, you will not go unseen into eternity, but your children will rise and call you blessed. So from one of those men that is not good to be alone, myself, let me just say to you, thank you. Thank you. And we honor you today.